Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 137. Today, we're featuring our own WP fangirl, Sally Getch. Uh, Sally, introduce the people if this is their first episode and they don't know who you are. Who are you? All right. So my name is Sally Getch. Uh, my business is called WP Fangirl because when I discovered WordPress in uh, 2005, I became an instant fan. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I uh, live in Oakley, California and, and work as a WordPress consultant. And I'm the organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup. Very good. And I want to introduce my co-host, uh, Jonathan Denwood. Jonathan, let everyone know who you are oh hi there folks i'm the founder of wp tonic and the co-host with john um wp tonic has a commercial side folks we um if you're looking for a theme or you've got a mock-up and you want it turned into a wordpress theme um we're here to help you if you're looking for external resources for any kind of wordpress work custom coding um bug fixes, continuous support for clients. We're here to support you. Very good. And I am John Locke. Uh, my business is Lockdown Design, and I specialize in building custom WordPress themes, local SEO, and WooCommerce integrations. Uh, so let's start the Spotlight interview with where all things start at the beginning. Sally, how did you first get into web development? All right. So back in 1993, I uh, <clears throat> founded an, an online uh, journal <clears throat> about Greek and Roman drama in, in modern performance. And we were publishing that sucker by FTP and Gopher. So it was all text. Uh, and then one day somebody showed me the web. And I thought, oh, my God, I have to have that because, of course, theater is, is an extremely visual kind of a, a medium. Uh, so I uh, taught myself a very basic HTML. I mean, back in those days, HTML was pretty basic. Uh, and uh, we started publishing on the web. Uh, and that uh, publication still exists today. It's still all in HTML, although it would be an awesome uh, thing to have in WordPress. But, you know, I, I passed on being the, the editor of that some some years back. Uh, so I come from the, you know, uphill both ways, barefoot in the snow. Uh, your only tool is a, is a text editor, uh, days of creating websites. And I got out of it a little bit. So I managed to miss the flash days uh, pretty much entirely. Um, and I came back. Uh, I sort of reti I retired from academia. Uh, I was sort of looking around at, at what to do to make a living. And, you know, one of the things I had some skills in was the web. And I started building some more websites. And then um, I heard a, it was a teleseminar about uh, blogging uh, back in, in early 2005. And I looked into that and what my uh, hosting company was providing at that time was B2, the sort of precursor to WordPress. And that was a little too complicated for me. So my first blog was on Blogger, but then I started listening to podcasts. And all the podcasters were using WordPress because uh, there was a plugin called PowerPress that would uh, help you create your, your podcast feed and handle your enclosures and stuff. And then when iTunes started supporting podcasts, you know, it started to work with that. Uh, so I, I looked into WordPress and uh, it started to eat my life from that point on. No, excellent. 
uh, about how long ago was this? This has got to be like early, early, early. Well, that so that was about 2005 that I started working with it, you know, sometimes. <clears throat> and then as WordPress evolved, you know, I came to realize I can build entire websites in, in this. And it does things like when I add a new page, it puts it on the menu automatically without my having to go through and edit every single page to show the new menu item. Uh, so, you know, that was pretty exciting. And, you know, then by about 2010, you know, we got uh, custom post types and uh, drag and drop menus and a lot of things that, that just made it possible to, you know, that, that made WordPress into a, a, a real content management system. And uh, so, you know, by about uh, 2009, I think I was, I was building almost all my business had switched over to, to WordPress. Um, and, uh, it, you know, I really haven't looked back. Most definitely. So how did you, um, how did you uh, get involved with the East Bay uh, WordPress meetup group? All right. So at the time I was living in El Cerrito, California, which is a little bit north of, of Berkeley. Uh, and I went to a couple of meetings of the San Francisco uh, WordPress meetup and somebody mentioned, you know, they've started one in the East Bay. So I checked on uh, meetup.com and sure enough, there was this meetup and it was in Alameda at the time uh, on a Sunday afternoon. And it was like maybe the second meeting that I that I went to. Uh, and being one of those people who tends to do this, I, I ended up, you know, becoming first uh, assistant organizer and uh, finally the, you know, the sole organizer when the original creator of the meetup moved back to L.A. Uh, and by that time, we were meeting regularly at a co-working space in Oakland called Tech Liminal. You've had the owner, Anka Moshoyu, on this uh, show before. Uh, and uh, so we kept, uh, you know, we kept meeting every third Sunday and uh, it grew and, and grew. Uh, our individual meetings are not necessarily huge. It might be, you know, 10 people, 15 people, 20 people. We've had a few meetings where there were, you know, folks sitting on the floor because it was it was that full. Um, and when I moved out to the Delta in 2011, after I got married, I didn't want to stop uh, being involved with that meetup. So I just commute across the hills on the third Sunday of the month uh, to Oakland. Uh, it's about a 45 minute drive. Yeah. Wow. Dedication. <laughs> um, you know, what's the biggest thing that you've, what are, are the biggest things that you've seen change uh, in web design and web development since you got involved until now? Uh, gosh, there's probably more uh, more stuff than I can can imagine, and, and some of which I've just forgotten. But uh, you know, I, I recently gave a presentation on Flexbox at the Sacramento uh, WordCamp, and uh, you know, I was reflecting back when I back when I first started, there really was like nothing for layout on on the web. Um, I'm not sure at what point you you started to be able to like align images left and right but you know that was that was about it um and you know there were some headings but we didn't have css we didn't have you know so it, it, there wasn't very much and then it was like you did layouts with frames and then frames are bad uh you should do layouts with tables and then you know tables are not accessible you should do layouts with floats 
and, and that's just, you know, one little aspect. Plus, of course, you know, people started developing things like, you know, I mean, there was Flash. Let's not talk about Flash. Uh, but, uh, you know, and, and JavaScript and jQuery. And, and so, you know, the web became a much more sophisticated and, and interactive place. And more and more people, I mean, when I started working with the web, it was mostly like academic institutions that had websites and a, mm-hmm. a, a few other places. And then it started to be like a, a really big deal. Like if your grocery store uh, suddenly had a website and, you know, commercial, there started to be a commercial web, but it was, it was still pretty unusual. And now of course, you know, if you don't have a website, you pretty much don't exist. Um, so, you know, huge things have changed. It's not as though I have mastered all of the technology uh, involved. I am dreadful at, at, JavaScript and, and jQuery, I can sort of fumble my way around through adapting stuff, but I really need to sit down and, and learn it. Um, and I didn't know PHP when I got into WordPress. And I just was, and I and I resisted learning it for a long time. Uh, but it, finally, it was sort of like, this is stupid. All of this kind of banging my head against the trial and, and, and error of, of, you know, the, um, you know, copy paste uh, coding is just taking up a lot of time that I, you know, could be putting to better use if I just, you know, sat down and spent a little time understanding uh, more about how this stuff works. Uh, were you ever involved in the, the web standards movement? Do, do you remember that at all? Um, I remember it. I was not directly involved in it, but, uh, you know, there was this big issue about the Internet Explorer uh, not, uh, you know, not playing well with the web standards and the the fact that stuff wasn't consistent. And, you know, still to this day, uh, web browsers are are not entirely consistent. Um, And, you know, let's not even talk about email. My my best question uh, from the Flexbox talk was, does this work on email? And like, in your dreams. <laughs> exactly. Table still. Do you, do you see things coming full circle uh, now with, uh, you know, people putting HTML in, in JavaScript and, and all of these things? Or are we still addressing the same concerns that we did 10 years ago? I think a lot of them are the same as, as 10 years ago. And, and even as, as, as 20 years ago, there are certain kind of basic problems of communication and you know we have uh, you have a lot more media on the web i I remember the big multimedia buzzword back in the 90s uh and and you know you couldn't put much of that online because almost everybody was connected by dial-up and and you know a, a, a t1 connection was fast and these days you know that's just impossibly slow you 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 couldn't do it and um you know, when I first got online in, in the uh, mid 1980s, you know, it was all, you know, dumb terminals uh, and the mainframe. And in certain ways, we've kind of gone back to that with so much stuff in the in the cloud. Uh, but your, you know, your smartphone uh, doubtless has more power than that mainframe that I used as an undergraduate. No doubt. Uh, how, how do you see uh, accessibility uh, in the web right now, is that the next thing that 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 we're trying to knock down, like internally, and get everybody on board with? It's certainly, you know, I'm I'm pleased that it's becoming more prominent. I wouldn't consider myself an expert at it, but I, you know, mm-hmm. I do my best to it to at least make everything I build, ba- you know, accessible in a basic way. And you know, I was just beating on some of my clients because we we needed to straighten out the way that the headings looked within the 
uh, posts. And because the, that hadn't been done, the people writing the posts were, were just using bold paragraphs instead of headings. And I'm like, no, you have to go back. All right, I've, I've fixed the display. You have to go back and fix that. It's, it's, you know, because of accessibility, because of SEO. And I think one reason it's getting easier to sell people on accessibility is that building an accessible website is also building a search engine friendly website. And, and, you know, people care a lot more, uh, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a good testament to human nature, but people care more about being found in search engines than they uh, do about, uh, you know, having their websites accessible to everyone, unless they are a government institution or, or somebody, you know, kind of mandated by law to have a, a website be accessible. Uh, definitely. Um, you know, let's, shift more to um, talking about making it in, in web development today. You know, if you were just getting into web development, what, what advice would you give to uh, a, a person entering this field? Wow. <clears throat> um, I would say, you know, get a, get a more thorough background than I do. I mean, you know, I studied lots of languages. They were all human languages. You know, I... I, I could read Greek and Latin and, and French and German and, and Italian, but uh, you know I had not studied uh, programming any, in any way. I, I was expecting to spend my life as a classics professor, um, and so definitely you know learning the basics is a is a good thing to do. But you know in terms of getting into a business, um, you know I've been doing this for quite a while now, and I've really kind of just gotten to the point where work comes and finds me. Uh, and you have to expect, uh, if you're going to freelance, that you need to spend an enormous amount of your time on stuff that is not billable, uh, you know, on marketing, on networking, on, you know, going out there. The, the meetup has been a really good thing in terms of meeting people and people meeting me. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've done a lot of other networking. I was a board member of the Bay Area Consultants Network. Uh, you know, go out and get to know people because one of the things that makes the biggest difference, you will always find hundreds of people out there whose skills are equal to or better than yours. But an awful lot of why people hire you is about a personal connection. Either you were recommended by someone they know and trust, or they've, you know, they've met you, they like you, they, they you have a, you have a good personality fit with them. Um, and, so you have to put a lot of time into getting to know people and into establishing some level of credibility. So, you know, speaking and, and presenting uh, is a good thing. Uh, you know, I've, I've posted a number of tutorials on my blog. I, I only wish I, I blogged more regularly, but it's one of those things that tends to, to fall through the cracks because the, the clients come first. But some of my, my tutorials on the events calendar, uh, you know, got posted on the, the Modern Tribe forums. And so lots of people come, you know, come find me there and, and uh, that kind of thing. It, so it takes time. You, you can't expect that you're going to get a flood of business overnight. Um, but I would also say don't waste your time on any of those, those job sites that basically are, are a rush to the bottom in terms of pricing, where, where people are going to hire you based on the lowest bid. That, that is a, just a recipe for poverty. Uh, you know, uh, don't do it. Uh, go, and, uh, <clears throat> uh, go out and meet people and, and find them. Uh, and, uh, you know, I remember when I first moved to Oakley, I joined the Chamber of Commerce because I didn't know anybody out here. Uh, and we 
just based on my introduction, uh, you know, when we were saying what we did, uh, you know, somebody stopped me on my way out of my meeting and said, we have to talk. This, this person, you know, she and her husband owned a local business for uh, RV uh, storage, you know, and parts and, and so on. And their website was, mind you, this was 2012 or 2013. Their website was still in front page and they had inventory. And every time they needed to update their site, they had to have some guy come over with, you know, front page on his CD and make the changes for them. And it was miserable. And, and we built them a, a fairly simple WordPress site that allowed them to update their own inventory. And, and they were totally thrilled. And so, you know, you just never know where you're going to get clients. But the more people you know, the more avenues you have to, to business. So, you know, understand that you are going to have a lot of overhead in terms of the time you need to spend marketing in terms of investment you may need to make into, you know, training, into equipment, uh, into things like, you know, developer licenses for, for, for plugins, uh, into just the fact that, you know, you're paying your own insurance and, and you've got self-employment taxes and all of these kinds of things. So, you know, charge high starting at the beginning because you're not going to have the number of billable hours that you have when you're an employee and somebody else is doing all that stuff and all you have to do is the, is the work. No, I can agree more with that. Uh, the, the majority of people, they end up uh, having to leave freelancing because they haven't been charging enough. I can't remember where I saw this, but I saw somebody say, work for free as long as you can to establish your name. And I was just like, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, I want to ask you this too, is, you know, we're all three of us in the WordPress space. Um, you know, is there anything inherently different about WordPress as compared to other web communities or, or is there something, you know, differentiating about it? Um, you know, when I got, when I got started in the web, I don't know if there were web communities, um, and, uh, you know, so I don't have a lot of experience. I, I did go to a Joomla conference once I had, I had one of those WordPress, uh, uh, temporary tattoos on my wrist. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, the, 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 the people were very nice, but I got the impression that, you know, one of the problems that Joomla had was that the community had split when Joomla was forked from Mambo and there just weren't as many people. I mean, there were a couple of hundred people at this conference and it was possibly the biggest Joomla event anywhere. And, you know, I living in the Bay area, I'd been to WordCamp SF when it was the event. Uh, and I, it was kind of like, where is everybody? So, you know, the people seemed, seemed nice enough and, and, uh, you know, they were actually quite nice to me in, in spite of my being an outsider. Um, but it, it wasn't as, you know, it wasn't as substantial a group. And, um, you know, one thing I noticed about WordPress relative to some tech environments I've been in is there's a fairly good proportion of women. Uh, and, you know, and most of the people who come to my meetup are, you know, middle-aged. It's not, although, you know, a lot of the, the core development team is very young. A lot of the people who make a living with WordPress are, are not kids, Um and, you know, I don't know what, you know, how well we do it at being hired in some of the tech companies and startups that, you know, aim for the, uh, you're 20 years old and, uh, you know, you can stay up all night and sleep under your desk and uh, do all this, this crazy stuff. I, I suspect not that well. Uh, you know, certainly, 
in the programming world that, that my husband comes from and, and he used to do, you know, C++ and C sharp and .NET, you know, build software not th- that you don't need a, an internet connection for. And, and boy, you know, you were ancient by the time you were 30. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't uh, see that WordPress is, is like that, uh, you know, in spite of the fact that, you know, Matt Mellenweg is almost young enough to be my child. No, that's and uh, that was something I wanted to ask. To reply to that, actually, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think we should go for our break, John. Think you're right. Okay, we're going to go to our commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking with the WP fangirl, our own Sally Getch. Buying or selling a home in the greater Reno Tahoe area? I know the best CRS real estate broker, and that's Karen Conrad. And you can find her at karenconrad.com or call directly at 775-527-7021. We're back from our break, and we're talking with our own beloved WP fangirl, Sally Getch, who is also a regular member on our Saturday roundtable panel. Uh, and, you know, one thing we were discussing before the break is, uh, you know, WordPress seems to be more welcoming of, you know, people who are of a more advanced age or people who, uh, you know, happen to be women instead of men. Um, you know, does the web, the, the, the overall web community, do you think that there are problems with things like, you know, uh, sexism or racism or ageism or ableism or any of these things i i don't think you can possibly dispute uh, the existence of of those issues i remember seeing a wonderful um a wonderful demonstration about uh harassment uh, and how you know even if men and women do the same amount of, you know, making inappropriate uh, remarks to members of the opposite sex or members of the same sex, depending on, on, on their preferences. In a company that has, you know, four times as many men as women, the women will be on the receiving end more often. You know, even if the, yeah. the, per- the percentage of them of, of, of men and women who are, are behaving badly is the same, just because you have, have so much smaller a number. And so you're, you know, when you are dramatically in a minority, you are going to you are going to suffer. Um, and I know entirely too many uh, women who have have suffered you know terrible you know hate attacks on Twitter or, or or other kinds of things. I've been very fortunate. I I haven't had to deal with too much of that or or with the you know with potential uh, uh, clients you know thinking that I'm not uh, competent. Uh, you know, just by virtue of the, f- the fact that I'm female, I've, I've certainly run into, to, you know, to mansplaining and, and other kinds <laughs> of things, but, uh, you know, kind of less in a way than I would have expected. And, and I think part of it, you know, classics is also a relatively male dominated uh, profession. And I remember when I was young and I was first invited to a, an overseas conference to speak, um, and I got introduced to someone, actually a female professor who was, uh, you know, substantially older than I was and, and quite well established. And she said, oh, are you the secretary? Hmm. And I, I certainly ran into, you know, a, a lot of occasions where it was assumed that I was the person who was there to make the coffee. Um, and that was annoying. But, you know, as I got older, that tended to happen less and less. And, you know, I... 
you know, I live in the Bay Area, which is a relatively progressive place. I mean, you know, not so much out out here in uh, in, in Oakley, which is basically the Midwest with palm trees. Uh, but <laughs> even so, um, it's been less of an issue for me. And I'm not sure, you know, why I've been spared uh, what I've, uh, you know, heard of some people uh, going through. I'm, I'm glad of that. Uh, you know, I think it is one of the many reasons that I like being self-employed is that I, you know, I, I'm not, I don't have to worry about, you know, being discriminated against in the workplace since it's just me. Uh, and I don't have to work with clients uh, who would, you know, treat me uh, that way. Now that's that's great. And Jonathan? Yeah, you don't want me asking, Sally. Um, why did you decide to get out of uh, academia and, you know... <laughs> Oh, well, that was that was pretty easy, actually. I got sick in 1992 uh, when I was still in graduate school, and I, I have a condition called myalgic encephalomyelitis, and it's very debilitating. Uh, and it just got to the point where I could not work anymore. And I thought for a while I was never going to work again. And I am now taking medication that manages the symptoms fairly well most of the time. Um, but there's no way I could have a nine to five job where I had to show up, you know, every single day. And there's certainly no way I could work the kind of 16 hours a day that you have to do in, in academia. So it was, it was not willingly that I left. Uh, at this point, I don't miss it. You know, I've become, you know, completely involved in, in my new life. Uh, and I've adapted, uh, you know, various uh, things about my environment. You might notice there's a, you know, sofa behind me. Uh, I work in a chaise lounge uh, and not at a desk uh, because it's just hard for me to sit up uh, for long periods of time. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's been long enough now that I don't really notice it most of the time, but I will still have spans of four weeks or six weeks where I, I can't work at all. All right. So, Sally, you lived, you lived in the UK for four years, didn't you? I did. I lived in Leamington Spa from 1994 to 1998. Now, you can see the poster behind me. Okay, okay, Sally. Uh, um, so, just um, go off the tangent, my audience. But I just thought I'd take this opportunity to. Um, so, um, you know, you lived in the UK for four years. On reflecting back, as a as a foreigner to the UK, you know, it's, it's like watching a family isn't it is the, what's obvious is um somebody observing outside a family or uh, a kind of foreign culture what thinking about what are your observations of um of the english and um their peculiarities compared to america um you know there were there, there were a lot of things and of course you know i have no idea to what degree you know Britain now is, is the way it was in, in the 90s when I was there. Um, a lot of the things I noticed were positive. I mean, you know, I went there and I, I was sick. I had a, you know, I had a serious chronic health condition and the national health was, you know, completely. I mean, I was so astonished when I went, you know, because I, I was teaching part time at the University of Warwick and I went into their like student healthcare place because I assumed that, you know, as somebody at the university, that would be. And they explained that I had to get a doctor who was close enough to me to make house calls. And I, I kind of looked at them like, what? <laughs> Your doctors here do what? <laughs> and, um, I, I couldn't imagine such a thing. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, that was a that was a really handy thing. You know, it cost me less than 100 quid a year for all my prescriptions. I bought a, a, a prepay card. Um, it was, uh, you know, so that was really a relief. You know, that the, the medical technology seemed to be behind and technology in general uh, was behind. I mean, at, at the University of Michigan, where I was in graduate school, all of my undergraduate students knew more about computers than I did um, in, at the University of Warwick none of my undergraduate students knew anything about computers at all. And, and I found myself teaching introductory computer classes as, as well as my regular classes um, and teaching my, uh, my colleagues also. Um, and, uh, you know, there, 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 there are various things you notice, you know, the British habit of queuing. Uh, well, we the, queuing. Uh, yes, I, I had a housemate who said we were we were waiting to get out of the parking lot at, at uh, Sainsbury's and, and he was driving. He said, I queued for Britain in the Olympics. And, uh, you know, I've used that line occasionally. It's sort of like, yeah, I've, I've learned how to queue. Um, uh, but uh, also the things that, uh, you know, I, I weigh and measure all of my food. And sometimes this can be a little bit of a production in restaurants and stuff. And I'd been invited up to, to speak in Manchester and, you know, we went out to dinner afterwards and, and it turned out to be, you know, I had to use a lot of the food I had with. So I'm like opening this can and, and going, and nobody says a word, nothing. I mean, it was really more uncomfortable than the kinds of intrusive questions that, that I would have, have gotten from Americans because it's sort of like, I realize I'm doing something that's unusual here. You know, it would be normal to expect people to ask questions and nobody said a word. Um so there, there are those kinds of of little uh, uh, of, of little differences. Oh, we, my, we never my, ask. We never right. ask. We observe, but we never ask. Uh, yes, and 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 yet at the same time, um, you know, I, I would notice that, that people have had absolutely, uh, you know, no problem calling a spade a bloody shovel. Uh, you know, my my neighbor uh, at the the first place I, that I rented in in Leamington uh, described my landlord as tighter than a duck's bum, um, uh, which was absolutely true. I, I, he was extremely tight fisted. I've I've encountered one or two landlords like that that uh, since then, uh, but uh, fortunately not my current landlord who is great. Um, well, I'm sorry, folks. We were not. We were, this, this is the WP Tonic Show, not the UK Tourist Podcast broadcast. <laughs> but I just thought I would ask Sadie that she's observed both cultures. So, um, but did you ever get used to the weather, Sally? Oh well, you know, I went to I went to England from Michigan. All right, in Michigan, the four seasons are winter, June, July, and August. Uh, I, you know, the English didn't believe me when I told them I moved there for the weather, uh, but it's true. You know, you you could get uh, primroses blooming outside in January in, in in England, and you know, if they had two inches of snow, they thought it was a blizzard. Yeah, I do see the point, but yeah, yeah, I get it, Sally. So, um, what's been? I, I think get back to um, WordPress, folks. Um, I think one of the things how do you have you got better at pre-identifying uh, um, clients that could afford to hire you that have the um, can actually value the kind of services that you have to offer because I find with a lot of people when they initially start and it can continue um they are talking to a lot of people that on reflection probably would never hire them and wouldn't value their services anyway. 
I've gotten much better at identifying people. I mean, you you know, you do have to talk to them. So I may have an initial conversation, but I will tend to even, you know, when somebody emails me the first time, uh, I will be upfront about the fact that, you know, if I'm doing a job where I charge you hourly, you know, I'm going to charge you $125 an hour. And some of them scream and run away at that point. And, and uh, uh, you know, and that, you know, for a pretty basic website, it, it's going to probably be, you know, 2,500 bucks to get it done properly. And if you, you know, once you start adding things like, you know, you want events management, or you want uh, learning management, or you want e-commerce, or you want podcasting, or you want custom design, you know, the price starts to go up very, very quickly. And, uh, you know, I understand that some people can't afford to pay that. And I, by now, have places that I can send them if they want something very simple. I mean, you know, the, the, first of all, the people who really just want like a five page brochure site probably shouldn't have WordPress anyway, because they're, they're taking out a burden of maintenance that they don't need. And it's like, I have people who do Wix and who do Squarespace and who do, you know, I, I can send them there if, if, if WordPress is really not a good fit for them. And there are some places that you can send people if they really just kind of want somebody to make their theme look like the demo and, and they're willing to bash their head against the, the rest of it. Um, so, you know, I try to move, you know, disqualifying clients is as important as qualifying them. And that's true no matter what business you're in. So, you know, I, I try to move people away. I have stuff on my website that basically says, if you are looking for the Walmart of WordPress development, this is not the place to find it. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I'm tending to, you know, as I start to get a better quality of client, I tend to get a better quality of referrals from them because they send me people who are, are in a similar position of actually having a budget. Um and, you know, that's who I want to, to talk to at this point. I've, you know, I've done enough things. I will, you know, maybe once or twice a year do a, a pro bono project for somebody who is a, you know, is a personal friend or, or a family member, you know, when it's interesting enough to me. And, you know, somebody, I forget who wrote this article, but it was something I really took to heart, basically said, if you do anything pro bono, you need to say, I have complete control. Basically, you know, you are not going to accept the kind of changes in this and, and that and the other thing. And so it's like, no, you know, I'll give you, a, 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 you know, something to, to, to look at initially in terms of, of an idea. And then I have, you know, complete creative control over this. I, I am not going to do all those, you know, can you change this? Can you change that? Can you, you know, because it's the pro bono clients who expect the most because they're not paying for it. They don't know how to value it. Do you uh, um, do you actually think the physicality of where you live? Um, obviously, it's the World Wide Web, and um, people say you can do things from anywhere. Um, I have very mixed feelings about that. Um, I think it's much more dependent on what you're doing, um, what your skill sets. But in general, do do you think physicality still has uh, effect on your ability to do business? Well, you know, the fact that there is a huge uh, WordPress community in the Bay Area certainly helps because, you know, I, I, through the meetup, I got to get connected to a lot of people who do a lot of things. I'm in a position where if I hear an inquiry about something that, that's not suited to me, I can pass it on to all those people. Recruiters really like me because of that. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of advantages to, to being in this general area and and especially I think when you're starting out and you need to meet people, it, it really helps. But, you know, doesn't Pippin Williamson live someplace like Kansas? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there are people who have built very successful WordPress businesses not in the middle of 
big communities. Uh, I think it, in that situation, you know, you're going to have the advantage of your cost of housing is lower. You know, you probably your cost of, of uh, utilities is, is lower. You don't want to see my PG&E bill for the air conditioning and Californians on average pay at least 30% more for the same electricity as, as other people. Um, so, you know, there are some advantages, but you're going to have to work harder, I think, at the online networking, and you're probably going to have to spend more time and money traveling to events that are not near you in order to, to make up for the fact that, that you're not there. Um, you know, most of my clients are not, you know, from the from the town that I live in, and, and you know, they're not necessarily even from the, the broader Bay Area, though, though quite a few of them are, but... Uh, you know, I have have clients from all over California and and elsewhere around the country, and occasionally, not too often, but occasionally overseas. Uh, so, uh, you know, you don't have to live in a in a specific place, but I think it really helps a lot to uh, you know to to have an environment where you can meet people in person and and get to know them and help to you know understand your skills and and get yourself integrated in the community you know, the fact that you know that wordcamp sf was you know within driving distance of me and i went there every year from from you know 2009 to to 2014 you know it it allowed me to meet you know people who are uh, you know who are somebody uh, uh, in the in the community and you know get to know them in a, in a way that I wouldn't have otherwise and and you know making those connections is is really valuable so do, do, do you actually think San Francisco obviously that obviously the decision to move um, WordCamp USA to different locations um, but do you think at some stage there um, um, there will be a, a yearly San Francisco WordCamp? We're certainly hoping. The organizer of the of the SF meetup um, is is very keen on that, and you know we've had some conversations. Anka and I have you know had conversations for years about you know doing an East Bay um, WordCamp even even before uh, WCSF was no more. Uh, putting on a WordCamp is not a small thing, and I think. Because of what WCSF used to be, there are some high expectations uh, and and high ambitions among those people. Uh, you know, I think that if if I were going to think about doing a word camp, you know, in, in Oakland or or somewhere around there, I would want to do what the Sacramento people did and start small. Uh, you know, so as as not to uh, not to mess it up and and then grow from uh, grow from there. Um, I understand the decision to, to rotate the location of, of WordCamp US. That's something that, that other organizations do. Certainly the Professional Association for Classicists rotates its uh, its conference every year, you know, East, West, uh, Midwest. Um, I went to one in Chicago and one that was in Washington, D.C., and they were both like right between Christmas and, and New Year's. So, you know, Chicago at that time of year, mm, not pretty. Uh, but, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to go to Philadelphia in December. Hello. Um, but, uh, you know, Sorry, lots, of, lots, <laughs> lots of people do. Um, but, you know, I, I moved to warm places for a reason. Uh, 
and so mostly I've gone to WordCamps that are, you know, within driving distance. Well, it's distance. exactly that, Sally. Uh, I, I had the misfortune to fly back to UK um, in December, just before Christmas. And I had the um, fortunate experience of actually living in Chicago Airport for slightly two and a half days. Because oh, it, dear. Because the airport was totally... Um, Frozen in, um, uh, basically. And that, that was a joyous experience, actually, Sally. Roaming Chicago Airport. Uh, O'Hare, I presume, if you yeah, were going exactly. on an international flight. Yes. There was not a hotel room to be had in any kind of um, affordable distance at any affordable price. So, you do, so um, I, I, I've decided to try and avoid travelling in December by airplane, if possible. Uh, yes, there are certainly uh, <clears throat> uh, there are certainly challenges. Not that I necessarily would want to drive across the mountains from Reno to anywhere in the middle of winter. No, no, that's true as well. It, it does vary, though. So, um, how do you kind of wrap up um, uh, the actual podcast part of the show, folks? Um, what do you see? What do you see happening um, in two thousand seventeen when it comes to WordPress? Um, do you think it will continue to grow, um, remain about the same? Um, do you see positive uh, movement or do you see some negative things as well? Well, you know, there are always going to be some negative things and, and we've talked about them on uh, the panel various uh, various times. I think WordPress will continue to grow. I think uh, it will start to grow in some interesting and different directions as, as the REST API evolves, but I think in general it will start to grow. Um, I don't actually think it would be a good thing for WordPress to completely dominate the internet. I, I think that, it, you know, that is when you become stagnant because you don't need to bother and yeah, it's good to have some healthy competition and, uh, you know, it, it keeps you on your toes. Um, so I would, you know, I, I would not be all that happy if, if you know, even 50% seems like a lot more than 50%, I, I think, would spell the beginning of a downhill slide. Uh, and then you get to be that product where something else comes along. I mean, look at, at the inroads that Sketch is making on Photoshop. Um, you know, once once you are the the behemoth, uh, there just start to be uh, there just start to be problems. Uh, but I think WordPress will continue to grow. I think you know it may eventually have to decide what it is. I don't know whether we're going to get a split at some point between the you know the WordPress dot com trying to make it a, a easy for everybody version and. Uh, you know, the developer's WordPress, it's something, you know, this is one of the challenges WordPress has is to, to try to serve both of those groups. Um, I think there are some possibilities for that if we can get the editor stuff handled. You know, WordPress does not have a good uh, editor. Uh, it does not have, uh, you know, any kind of, of consistent or reliable front-end editing uh, experience and you know the rest api may make a lot of things like that possible i mean you know kind of the the first test of it was the you know the calypso app um which is definitely a, a nice environment to work in if you're only doing pages and posts which is not true for most of my clients because the custom post types are one of the great strengths of wordpress um and of any you know serious content management system you have to have to be able to do that and so you know are you going to then code you know your entire new admin yourself 
for those clients. That brings up the cost of the project a lot. And then you're looking at something that's a lot more like Drupal, where, you know, you basically have to build the admin as, as well as, as building them. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm reasonably optimistic, and that's unusual coming from me. But um, I'm re- um, call the weather and see if hell is frozen over. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I just think um, if the front end editor could be sorted out, I also think the media library needs some substantial improvement and updating. Um, and there's a you know um, there, there's some. Um, elements of WordPress um, where I think they've gone the slightly wrong route, but it's that would be arguable. Um, I, I, I think the actual Restless, the news about the Restless is really good news, not just only because on the technology side, that actually that um, something that a lot of people spent a lot of time on that seemed to be drifting uh, was finally... Um, put into core and the matter um it will still be developed out continuously but it's now part of core the result was finalized um i think it's a really good news and a good result would you agree with that sally i would i would it's you know it's it's I'm not somebody who works with APIs directly a lot, but it's it's clear that they're important. You know, back when I lived on the other side of, of town, I used to go to um, the SF New Tech meetup, which was basically a chance for a handful of startups to kind of pitch their business. They had like 10 minutes, five minutes to talk, uh, five minutes for questions. There would be a number of um, venture capitalists in the audience. It was always packed, uh, you know, and... The two questions that were always asked were, what's your business model and do you have an API? Yeah. You know, um, it's it's clear that this is really important. Well, I think we need to wrap it up, John, and um, have um, for the podcast and um, have some bonus content for about 10 minutes. What do you reckon, John? I think that's a great idea. Uh, so, Sally, how do we find you? You can find me at wpfangirl.com which is easier to spell than my name. But if you can spell my name, you can find me anywhere on the internet. I am unique in Google. Jonathan, how do we get a hold of you? Oh, it's quite easy, folks. You can either email me um, at jonathan at wp-tonic.com. And I do check my email about a couple of times a day, so you will get a reply. Um, or um, Twitter uh, at Jonathan Denwood, or go to the WP Tonic Twitter as well um both me and john are active on that um they're the main ways to get hold of me john very good and you can find me at my website which is lockdowndesign.com or you can find me on twitter lockdown underscore for a wp tonic uh this is john jonathan and sally signing off be sure to catch our next episode where we're going to talk all about css That's great. See you later, folks. Bye.